Private Lender Podcast, Episode 110. The Private Lender Podcast quote of the day comes to us from Vidal Sassoon, who said, The only place where success comes before work is in the dictionary. This is the Private Lender Podcast, the show that shares practical advice and know-how for new and seasoned lenders, from private mortgages on single-family houses to joint ventures on commercial projects and beyond. Discover details about investment vehicles that you won't find at your local bank or online broker. Listen and learn from private lenders and real estate investors, as well as from professionals and entrepreneurs, as they share the details, strategies, and the insight that allows for successful and prosperous lending. Now, get ready to increase your ROI. Here's your host, Keith Baker. Hello, everyone, and greetings from the energy and COVID capital of the world, Houston, Texas. Welcome to episode 110 of the Private Lender Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Baker, and I'd like to thank you for sharing your time with me today. If you're looking for practical tips and advice on private lending and how to build and maintain wealth without banks or Wall Street, then you're in the right place. But if you want to learn from my mistakes so that you can avoid them, well, then pull up a chair and pour yourself a drink because this podcast is made just for you, my friend. I hope everyone is doing well out there in this COVID bullshit. Uh, this is going out sometime in early August 2020, and I'm already getting ready for my kids not going to school at least until January. So, poor me. Wah. Anyway, a few weeks ago in episode 108, we had uh, Jason DeBono on from New View Trust, and he discussed the, the most passive form of private lending, and that is lending your money to brokers or, or hard money lenders and let them do all the all the heavy lifting. I call it the easy button as if there really was such a thing because as a private lender, you still need to perform your own due diligence, but you don't have to worry about finding the borrowers. You don't have to worry about finding the deals. They facilitate that for you. Well, today I had the, the privilege of speaking with Paul Lamnados from Blink Lending, who delivers a ton of value. Uh, get your pen if you're driving, maybe pause, listen to this when you're sitting down because he drops a lot of, lot of great value value nuggets, knowledge nuggets, bombs, whatever you want to call it. He funds his own, you know, I say quote unquote hard money loans, but then he sells the notes to private lenders just like you and me and get this, he guarantees his loans, which is something I never do, but he, um, yeah, guarantees loans. So enough of my jaw wagon. Let, let's get down to the brass tacks and to the interview with Paul Lemnados. All right, Lender Nation, I am stoked today to have Paul Lemnados from Blink Lending with us on the podcast today. Paul, welcome to the Private Lender Podcast. Glad and happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, man. The pleasure is mine. I guess full disclosure, Paul and I have known each other around the Houston real estate investing community for a, a few years now. And I met him when he was uh, over at with Zeus and uh, listeners of the show know that. But now Paul has done something rather interesting and spectacular. And he's gone off, got his own. He's got BlinkLending.com, where if you need a mortgage or refi, the conventional definitely, you know, give them a, a look. But then there's also ink lending. And that is what I want to talk to, to you about today and the, the model that you have. Because you're not a hard money lender. You loan out funds and then sell the loans to private investors, private lenders. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. And so you'll often hear, you know, private money, hard money lending. What's the difference in the two? Depending on who you ask, one might say six and one and a half a dozen in the other or tomato, tomato, right? At the end of it, I define it as where are you getting your capital from? Are you getting it from financial institutions like hedge funds, banks, do lines of credits, or are you raising the money privately through your own funds and through your network of funds, meaning people that have money sitting in an IRA account or 401k or just idle checking savings account money. So all of our funds are privately raised funds. And because of that, we hang our hat on the private lending side of things like that better than hard money lending. Sounds 
Ah, oh, there you go. I like that. That was nice. I mean, if you're not, in case you're not watching, he just gave the little kiss of the hand, and, you know, and uh, <laughs> opa. But, uh, <laughs> the easy button for becoming a private lender is to loan your money to someone who's already loaning it out, a hard money lender, or like, like yourself, you're, you're funding loans and then selling the loans to the, the private investor. Correct. So Either you're doing all the hard work. Yeah. And having that third, for me, having a, having someone else doing the, the work, you know, you might become skeptical, but this is what you do. This is your day in, this is your day out, right? This isn't, you're not accounting for an oil and gas company you know, and then flipping houses on, on the night. I mean, this is, this is your gig. So I'm really happy you came on because I just want to just, just talk about your process, man. When you're looking at a deal, someone, let's say, oh, I got this awesome flip, man, you know, and I can be all in for only 80% LTV. Walk me. <laughs> yeah, so first, right when you went, I got this awesome deal. Like my brain just went to, I don't care, I don't want to hear about it. What's your credit score? How much money do you make? How much money do you have in the bank, right? I like to say I'm a private lending investigator. I've even given myself an acronym, a CIA, private lending agent. Uh, CIA, obviously that's a spin on our um, federal guys. But I feel that at the same time, we investigate as they do as private lenders, right? And the acronym CIA is a reminder to me to always ask about credit. Always ask about income, always ask about assets, right? Now, there's not one that's going to be an absolute crusher if, let's say, credit's really bad or income's really bad. If any, if you don't have assets, you're not a client for us. So that 80% deal you're talking about, even if it's a 60% deal, 50% deal, and the client has less than $20,000 in their checking savings account accessible money, they're not a client for us. And the reason for that is I want to prepare before things go bad. And why do things go bad in loans? Well, because people don't have funds to pay them back. Well, before I'm lending my money, I have the ability to look at their bank statements, not ask them how much money they have, but to request their actual bank statement. And then when I get their bank statements, then I just look at the first page of how much money's in there, but to go through and say, hey, how's your money coming in and out? You might have 80 grand in your bank account, but if you had a $78,000 deposit from PPP, you know, two months ago, that tells me that you're running a business with a $2,000 average balance, right? It's what is the average balance of your bank account? So um, CIA, always check credit, always check income. Those two won't give me a no. They'll adjust my terms, right? Credit to me is, well, someone's numeric representation of their ability to do what they say they're going to do. And when I'm negotiating terms or discussing a transaction with someone, as a private lender, my number one, number one concern is getting my money back. So it's not the return, you know, on my money I'm interested in, it's the return of my money. That's a famous Mark Twain uh, quote, at least that's where I found, uh, said it, maybe it was somebody else. But the point is, is I want my money back. And when I've ate off the left side of the menu, when I haven't bought the new pair of shoes that I wanted, when I didn't get the tie clip or the cufflinks or the car, whatever sacrifices that I've made along the way to save every nickel and dime I have, when I go lend it out, I love that sign you have behind you, my money, my terms. I'd be shocked if next time you're looking in the back here, you don't see something like that because that's just it, right? It's mine. I get, to, I get to lend it out. Income, the reason I look at that, Keith, is because what's exit strategy again? If there's someone who is a W-2 engineer, W-2 CPA, or they're self-employed, but have conventional qualified tax returns, meaning I can refinance them into a conventional loan, mm -hmm. I love that because that tells me if they're wanting to sell the house and the market doesn't go as they like, well, I have a 
safe gap exit strategy, and then I can refinance them out into a conventional loan. Now, being a fully licensed, insured, and bonded mortgage company, we actually have access to the same loans the big banks do. We just do them at lower rates, much faster turn times, and we don't charge their junk fee. Another program that we have access to is for the real estate investor who takes advantage of all of his God-given American tax write-offs, as he should, and is coming and look, saying, Paul, look, I've got an 800 credit score, got a property that's cash flowing. Don't penalize me because I take advantage of my tax write-offs. What other programs do you have? And if we have an extra strategy to get them out, well, then that makes us feel good too, right? So it all starts with credit and then it loops around to the assets. Big fans of skin in the game. So our process, it's, hey, Keith, you've got an 80% deal. That's great. We're going to lend up to 70% on this transaction. Uh, so we need you to bring 10% of cost to closing. Now, for the person that qualifies for conventional financing, we'll go up to 75% of the after repair value. The reason for that is, well, terms are based on risk, right? If the risk is high, the terms are high. If the risk is low, well, we can give lower terms. Uh, so when someone qualifies for that, we can give 75 because we have the ability of refinancing to 80. So not to go into all these numbers back and forth, but that's where we would have to start bringing cash uh, skin in the game. Well, let's unpack a few things. Uh, number one, you mentioned my number one pillar, Private Lender Podcast, is return of investment. That is my primary concern. If I loan $100, I want to make sure I'm getting that $100 back before I get the 105 or the 110 or anything else. Sure. You know, I, that's, that's, that's my pillar. I love that. I love the fact that you said that. Two, skin in the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where yeah, my money, my terms comes into play because I see people at, uh, well, you know, we've seen people at expos and whatnot, you know, I'll teach you how to get private money. You know, you don't have to put any money into the, into the deal. And I'm always shaking my head. Yeah. I'm like, no. And, and look, if I have done deals like that. Okay. All right. When I've loaned at 25% loan to value. Okay. All day long. I was like, you need closing costs. You got them. You know, <laughs> You know, I was just like, yeah, I will do it, but on a, I would consider a normal 60, 70% LTV or, you know, or, um, yeah, LTV deal. No, absolutely not. No, I want to, I want to make sure you can, you can float that loan for 90 days and pay the first draw yourself for the repairs before we, you know, we start coming back. So yeah, a lot of similarities and obviously so, because I mean, I copied mortgage lenders, hard money lenders and private lenders, right? And, and we all, it's all kind of the same game with uh, different flavors, but I love your, your acronym of CIA credit income and assets. And that is, if you ever see Paul speak, uh, he has a presentation on CIA. That's uh, it's actually, it's a lot of fun to, to go through because let's face it, money, insurance, lending, those things are kind of boring. So <laughs> when you find somebody who has some, some passion about it and some energy to it, it, it helped one, it helps pass the time, but two, I think it also helps your learning process. You know, the, the enjoyment I'm being entertained. I'm not, I'm not learning, you know, that you're going to retain a lot more coming through that. So yeah. Yeah. Return of investment all the way skin in the game. And we're going to set up a link later on for the show. I'm just going to go ahead and give it now, privatelenderpodcast.com forward slash blink. If you would like to learn more about the private lending side and how you can get involved with ink lending, then, well, actually, let's do that. Ink, uh, forward slash ink, not blink. We'll go with ink. How about that? Does that work? Okay. Like I said, I've known Paul a while. He's quite active. You know, if there is an easy button, this is it. You know, and I know COVID and everything else is going crazy right now, but your business is plugging along, so... Let's try to connect some folks and hopefully uh, Lender Nation you know, can learn something and you know, it'd be mutually beneficial for, for everyone. So yeah, privatelenderpodcast.com forward slash Inc. I-N-K. Let's say you know, I was very stubborn and talked to a lot of hard money lenders and, and mortgage folks before I started private lending. But let's say for someone who isn't stubborn, there's a little- So that was one of them. Yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. I remember. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. 
but let's say, you know, someone who want, like me, stubborn, I'm going to do it my way. How would you recommend them to find? Because I know you're, you know, an investor yourself and a lender yourself. How do you go and look for borrowers as a private lender? Yeah, so I, um, I don't know if you call it old school, new school. It seems to recycle itself. I really enjoy just getting to meet somebody face to face, right? I like paying attention to the mannerisms, how they carry themselves, how are they talking. As a potential client, someone I'm lending money to, feel how they carry themselves is how they're going to manage the funds that I'm releasing to them, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to show judgment of who are they going to hire for their contract, which that's a big thing for me late. We've changed something just this week in that any client that we're going to lend to, we want to meet face-to-face, come into our office, even though it's COVID going on. Now, if someone has a very, they're just against it, okay, let's go Zoom like you and I have right now. But we want to meet our borrowers uh, and clients. And the other part is if they don't have experience, we're okay uh, lending to first-time investors, whether they're fixing and flipping or buying and holding. But we want to see what is their contractor's experience? What's the relationship with the contractor? Is the contractor insured, bonded? Do they have you know, a business phone number? Do they have a website? How can we verify it? The contractor, because what I've noticed is first and foremost, the reason you have defaults in 2008, look, I was around and yeah, there were a lot of bad loans done, but here's the bad loan that was done. It had nothing to do with the 580 credit score or the adjustable rate mortgage. Just no one put any money down. When you don't put any money down. You don't have any skin in the game. You can walk away from. It. So, you know, I think we didn't talk about the theme of this, but I, I think what's coming clear from it is the verifying the skin of the game and asking the questions, right? Now, getting them to bring money to the table takes care of foreclosures. The other part is bad contractors. So if I could have skin of the game and verify their contractor, I feel so safe and I sleep so well at night with my money being lent out. Also in Houston, we require all of our houses, all of our loans to carry flood insurance. We just don't know, right? And when we're doing private money loans, and we're not getting our money from banks and from hedge funds. We don't have to lend our money based on somebody's opinion of a value, which that blows my mind. I mean, I can't even look at the camera right now. It blows my mind how people will lend money on a third party's opinion of a value. Wait a minute. It's your hundred grand. You're going to hire that guy to tell you what the house is worth. You better get good at running comps yourself or get good at getting a team that can do it for you. At one o'clock today, we do final pre-funding walkthroughs. So before we fund a loan, we walk through the house. I used to look at houses two weeks before closing, right? You get the contract, let me go out to it the next day. Well, then I realized that, well, the person, when I went there, the people that were selling the house are moving out. They've been out of the house for 10 days. Now the air conditioning unit's gone. It's like, whoa. So let's look at the property right before closing to make sure that nothing's changed, right? Another thing that is it saved my time. I realized when I was looking at deals early, if we have a title issue, if we have an insurance issue, if the client changes their mind, here I am spinning my wheels with time, right? Uh, but going out and looking at the property myself gets me familiar with it. So when you're asking a question of how to get involved, it's get out there. You know, I know right now it's difficult with the events. Tons of Facebook groups, right? The 713 uh, Houston Facebook page is awesome. Landon has done an amazing job with that page. I know you're on the page. Um, I'm on the page and there's like in real estate, I better stop because I'm going to forget them. But the point is, is even though we can't go to a Quest Trust and do a live event, we can still meet people online with Right. So I'm um, sorry, I don't want to go off on a tangent with it, but skin in the game, skin in the game, flood insurance, verify, verify, verify. I want our insurance policies 12 months, 12 months. Oh, and God, and God you trust and everyone else you verify, right? 
And God, we trust all others have to pay in certified funds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> For sure. Uh, I interrupted you. I'm sorry. No, no, no worries at all. Oh, a draw process. I want to mention that because I came across a cool little trick that private lenders I, I like to pass on. We put a minimum, you have to do $15,000 work in rehab before you request a draw. Why I like that is because from a safety standpoint, we're doing 70% of ARV or 75 if you qualify for long-term conventional financing. But for the first three deals, you're bringing 10% of cost to closing. So I love how us lenders, we have all these rules and there's all these exceptions that go in there, right? right? So my rules are this, except my exception is for the first three deals, you've got to bring 10% of cost to closing. When, now we do things that other private lenders don't do. Like we're not charging interest on money they haven't got. Their rehab budget, we don't charge them money on that. We also don't charge them money for drawer inspections. So when we go out to inspect, to release funds, we're not charging 125 or 250 bucks for that. We're also not charging wire fees when we wire clients money. We're also not charging them payoff fees to generate a document that tells them how much they owe us. I think that's asinine. Uh, something else, we're not charging them extensions. All of our clients get two free 30-day extensions. And we don't have any prepayment penalties or minimum interest. So if you get in and out of a deal in 17 days, you pay us 17 days of interest, that's it. So to, we have, um, I hate the two-story bill, you know, the story you get at the beginning of what your bill is going to be. And then the second story you get when you actually get your bill, like Sprint, I hate them. $69.99 a month should be $69.99, not $82.17 or whatever the heck they get me with. So uh, we stay away from that. Because we stay away from that, we attract the client that is okay bringing 10% to closing. Because after all, if I'm going after someone Keith, that's got you know 720 credit scores, 100 grand in the bank, which there's so many clients out there. By the way, let me just backtrack. I'm debating on just staying in Harris County. Like why, I see these other guys, they want to open 16 offices in other states. We have almost 5 million people in Harris County. How many loans can you do? Like mm. seriously. So you know your geography and in that 5 million people, you have so many great borrowers. And when there's only so many loans to do, why not do it with great borrowers, right? So they recognize bringing money to closing gets them better terms because if their, ter their risk is lower, well, now they can turn to me and say, Paul, well, you're asking me to bring you money to closing. Why don't you charge me less interest in points? Okay. I get that. That's a valid request and it makes sense on both our part. So they brought 10% to closing, right? Now here's a cool trick on the rehab. We have them and all this is disclosed up front is you have to do $15,000 of rehab work before making your first draw. I did that because I started getting phone calls after they do $4,000 worth of work or they do the electrical rough or they do the plumbing rough. I don't have time for all this. Plus, well, that's, I don't want to make time for all that. It's a better way to say that. And because we don't charge interest until they've received the money, it can get just an accounting nightmare, 4,000 on a Tuesday, 6,000 on a Wednesday. Yeah. So the 15,000 helps us selfishly, but when they put 10% of cost down and now they've coughed up $15,000 of their own money before I give them any funds, how likely are they going to walk away from that deal? Mm -hmm. So we've, we're close to 200 transactions and we've only had one foreclosure. That foreclosure, I know what I did wrong, and we don't do that now. What I did wrong, it was- I'd say, please elaborate if you would. Yeah, because I love talking about mistakes. It's, um, I, I'm a fan of not doing loans when the rehab budget is more than 50% of the purchase price. So if someone's buying a house for $100,000 and you need $60,000 in rehab, I don't like that deal. Now, if that same deal that needs $60,000 in rehab is a $300,000 purchase price. I like that deal because 60 and 200 is 60%, but 60,000 to 300,000 is 20%.
you know on a small house when the rehab's big what kind of work are you doing here right are you moving walls are you adding square footage are you having to do roof foundation so as you know the longer a deal takes and the bigger the rehab is the more likely something can go wrong so we want to stay away from those now have i broken my rules of course i'll do it again you know it happens i won't break that one though not the one that led to the foreclosure 99 percent of what we do is common sense one percent is real estate that deal the client didn't have any money the rehab budget was 200 percent of the purchase price he had 10 other loans out that i didn't know about and he just got uh, cheated on his wife so his wife left him took all of his contractors with him. I mean, it was such a nightmare. I think at the end of it, like we made like $17 maybe, but we didn't lose money, which is the important thing, right? You know, that's, you know, the hard knocks. I remember once when I was working in the oil field, I screwed up and I cost the oil company. I was working for a service company and I ended up costing them about half a million dollars in downhole tools because I didn't check some measurements. After getting five different phone calls from five different, you know, managers, the, the top one, I've, I've told him, I was like, look, I'll bring my laptop and my ID badge, you know, like, you know, I screwed up. And he's like, well, you're going to let it happen again? I said, no. And they didn't fire me, right? And I was like, are you kidding me? So, you know, I, um, I learned a valuable lesson from that. And I like the fact you said 99% of what you do is common sense. 1% is real estate. I love that. But going, going back to, you know, losing that, that was losing that half a million dollars. I had the same heart drop in the gut feeling as I did when I did a second lien for 30,000 and it didn't go, it went long. Right. Mm-hmm. And I made money. I didn't lose money, but the opportunity cost those that extra eight months, you know, I try not to dwell on that because there was some smoking deals for some people that we both know and trust, but you know, nonetheless, it was that same, you know, it's half a million dollars of someone else's money, 300 or 30 grand of, you know, my retirement. I still had that same, just that pit in my gut. Of feeling. So I appreciate you saying, you know, look, you 200 in and you've only got, you know, one foreclosure that I'm not good at math. That's less than 1%. So I believe it is. That's uh, so you're doing better than the big banks and the, uh, you know, everybody else and the, the funds there. Man, so much I want to unpack here. But yeah, getting out there in COVID does make it tough. But I love the fact that you go to the property before you release the funds. And I recommend, you know, when people start off, do it in your backyard with permission from the property owner. Don't just show up and, you know, hey, I'm going to loan on this. I got rights. No, you don't. But, you know, set, get it, you know, get it uh, set up to go, go to the property. I say, see it, touch it, smell it. You know, try not to taste it if you can, but, you know, you definitely, you want to go see what you're putting your money into for sure. And I'm not on the lending side, but we, I, uh, Landon and I, well, we purchased a house and we were trying to, we sold it on our financing. Then we foreclosed and then we started getting some rent for it. I was like, okay, well, let's just keep doing that. A couple of months ago, I went out and took a look at the property and I told Landon, we're getting rid of this thing. This, this is, it's making money, but I, all I see is liability. <laughs> it's like all I see. And so even though we, you know, we have insurance, we have uh, an entity, why deal with the headache? You know? So we're going we're gonna to take some cash. We've already made money on the house. And, you know, it's, it, it's paid for itself. One or two, we didn't pay anything for it. So it, you know, it's going to work out well, but at the same time, get rid of that liability. Don't deal with it. And like you said, that distinction that you made that you don't want to make time for the frivolous work as well. So I don't want to make time for extra liability on my money or you know, anything else. So, and then back to Houston, Harris County flood insurance, right there with you, buddy. You and I probably were probably watching the news at the same time when we came up. You know what? I think every loan I'm going to have now is going to have flood insurance after Harvey. So oh um, good on sure. you for that one too. And, and look, and if four or $500 is going to break a deal for somebody, it's not a deal. Not my client. Not my client. Yeah, no, I like that. I mean, this is this is good. I mean, we're touching on so many things here, and this is my fault for being kind of scatterbrained. But I mean, you talk about your you broke your own rules, you know. And I, I think it's 
you know, it goes back to um, that old saying, methods are many, principles are few, methods always change, but principles never do. And if you have that foundation of this is what I'm going to loan on, right? Like maybe it's, I'm only going to do deals at 55% of ARV all in, right? Or 60 or wherever your parameters are, set those. And, you know, not to say that they won't change over time, but, you know, as you know, real estate investors are very oh. persuasive, very convincing. And they get, they, they love to get lenders to get, go outside of our comfort zone. And then we're like, well, this is where I'm growing, right? No, as a lender, you want to be comfortable. You want to sleep at night. And, you know, I don't care if I'm boring. <laughs> I don't care if I'm plain vanilla, you know, it's my money, my terms. So yeah, this is why we get along. And it's probably a good thing COVID's happening because we'd be a couple of bottles into scotch right now. If, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, can I tell you why, uh, <laughs> when and why I made that mistake? My one foreclosure. Mm-hmm. So it was in, within my first five deals. So, you know, close to, I don't know, well over a hundred since then. And I was deal horny. And that's a term I've stolen from Shanoa Grove and from Nate Hare. And I wanted to do a deal. And I wanted to do a deal so bad that I was, I said, I'm going to do a deal this week. And here came this guy and I was like, sure, all the numbers check out. ARV's there. It's wonderful. I go home, I brag to my wife. I just closed the deal a few thousand dollars that I made. And it, it was a big, big mistake that I'm so glad, so glad that I learned so early on. So the reason I asked to share this with you is because if you're listening to this, you're a private lender, you're thinking about jumping in, don't do it because you're deal horny. And forgive my term there, but it, I think that really, really hits home with what it is. Don't jump the gun. You, how many dinners did you not order what you wanted to order. How many times did your wife want to order the $14 glass of wine, but you made her order the $9 glass of wine because you're saving money. And now you're going to throw it away because some schmo that you met at a networking event talked you into lending your money at, you know, and stop with this 12 and two crap that uh, private lenders do. You need to know what is their credit score and how much money they have. And if you're listening to this going, I don't care because all I care about is a deal. We'll try this hat on. If you know that their credit's bad, if you know that their income's bad, if you know that their assets are bad and you're still going to lend to them, don't you think you could charge them 14% instead of 12? Don't you think you could charge them four points instead of two? So just selfishly, if you're going to lend on the deal anyway, get the terms or get their profile so you can give accurate terms with it. Sorry. Oh, no, man. No, don't, don't, don't apologize. No, one and horny is not a bad word. My kids are actually sleeping. Just right over there. It's fine. They can hear it. They, they've heard. <laughs> I told you an oil field story didn't curse. They heard a lot worse from me. Don't worry. <laughs> but I love, I love the fact you brought that up is, is, you know, there was a, when I worked construction many moons ago, there was a, a saying the dispatcher had was like, do something, even if it's wrong. And I understand that from a productivity standpoint, you know, get the, the wheels moving. But when it comes to lending, no, I would rather have my money sit idle, which is a terrible thing. than put it into the hands of somebody who doesn't know what they're doing or someone who's going to lose my cash. It's just, you know, preservation of, of principle. Like you said, return of investment. That's the number one. That's my number one. But deal horny is, so you, uh, Shanoa Grove and Nate Hare use that, huh? Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. You got to give credit to where you hear, hear the stuff. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh. I have not invented anything in my life. Oh. I've just, you know, reworked. I, you know, you know I, I'd like to think I've had an original thought, but, you know, maybe I haven't. Who knows? Where I've gotten with that, Keith, is my wife tells me that I come up with great ideas that someone's already implemented. And I'm like, hey, babe, wouldn't this idea be great? She's like, you know, you can get that on Amazon, right? So I have let that go. What I do now is when I get a good idea, I will just double down and implement it like, like no other, right? It's, uh, did you ever watch G.I. Joe as a kid? 
Oh, yeah. Knowing is half the battle. Come on. They told us that as a kid. Like, knowing is half the battle. It's half the battle. I know to get my wife flowers on Valentine's Day. If I don't do it, what does knowing do anything, right? And the guidelines, I love what you said about that, having your guidelines. I call them our buoys. You know, we have our buoys that we know we stay in here. Yeah. And every now and then you can go outside of your buoys, but you don't go too far outside of them, right? Um, and if you are new, like you said, hitting the easy button and reaching out to a hard money lender or a private money lender that sells their notes like we do, yeah, that's that's a great way of doing it. And then asking a lot of questions. I'm very upfront with people that buy notes from us. Hey, Keith, one day I want to pay you 5% interest. Now, that does not excite you at all. Right now, we're going to pay you 9.5%. So my goal is to get you to 5%. Your goal is to learn as much as you can from me so you can fire me. And then you can charge 12. And then, so right now, when I'm getting paying you 9.5% because I'm charging the client 11 12%, I'm making that 1.5%, 2.5% spread for managing the deal, for fully guaranteeing the deal. So if the client doesn't pay you, I pay you. And right Ooh, now- you guarantee your notes. All of them. So actually, right now is the 29th. Kelsey, who is sitting at the desk a few uh, seats away from me, we're going to have all of our private lenders paid this Friday, which is July 31st. We're going to pay every private lender before we even get a check from a bar. And we do that every month. So a private lender never hears a story. You're never going to hear from me. Hey, Keith, you know that deal we have on Sesame Street, man? Well, the guy went on vacation and then he got back and his wife, you know, forgot to send the mail and but the checks in the mail. Yeah, you don't hear that, right? So we take care of all that. And that's why we ask for the spread. Now we put on the monkey suit and go out and qualify the deals and we'll listen to the guys tell us about this wonderful deal they have at 80% or whatever it is. And when we will bet that we fully get title insurance, hazard insurance, builder's risk initially, right? Because we want we don't want their workers slipping on a ladder and then turning around and we're liable for all that stuff. Um, surveys, I cannot like, we don't close deals unless we have a survey. It blows my mind that a buyer of a property is going to buy a house. You don't even know like what you're buying. The survey says what you're buying. <laughs> so we want surveys. And not only do we want a survey, but we want a T19 endorsement. So for private lenders out there, when you're doing a deal, ask for a survey. If the seller, the buyer is going to tell you, your borrower is going to tell you this. Oh, the seller doesn't have one. That's because they don't want to go back and make it painful on the seller to ask for it. So you say, Mr. Borrower, Mrs. Borrower, no problem. We're going to need to order one from title. It's going to cost you about $405. Or you can go back to the seller and try to get it from the seller. Now they have a choice. Do they go back to the seller or do they pay the 405 bucks? Either way, I'm getting the survey. Now when we have the survey, title company, make sure you add a T19 endorsement to the survey. What's the T19 endorsement? It's the added insurance. You know how you get an insurance policy and you're never insured for what you need insurance for? Right. Well, that T19 endorsement gives you insurance for what you need insurance for on a survey. So just ask for it. So we go through all, and the way where we've learned this is, well, one experience, right? Uh, I'm going on 20 years, 17 years in the industry. But the other part is being a fully licensed, bonded, and insured mortgage company, I get to see what Big Brother Lending does. What's FHA doing? What's VA doing? What's Fannie Mae doing? What's Freddie Mac doing? And when this disruption happened because COVID came out, we didn't change our guidelines, not one bit. We paused for a few days, a few, three, four, five days, paused for a few days, gathered our thoughts and said, hey, wait a minute. We have our clients. They're all 700 credit scores, six figures, liquid assets. They're all bringing 10% or some type of skin in the game unless they're a repeat client. 
And when they're repeat clients, we're not going above that 70, 75% model. So I don't, please don't take away that your repeat client will lend you 85%. No, if you just find a home run deal, we'll even roll in your closing costs. We want the relationship, right? And so in finding uh, it within that, we're able to keep our terms the same, our guidelines the same, because we're, we're always conservative to begin with. How do I get my money back? How do I get my money back? How do I get my money back? Um, so hopefully some of this stuff's helpful um, for a uh, lender. I, I will that. say, oh, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Say that again. No, I said, I love that, that you call them lender nation. That's, that, that, that's great, lender nation. Yeah, I don't know where I got that from, but um, I do want to um, actually, uh, it's a long story. Nobody cares. But anyway, <laughs> I do like it's uh, that's what I want. I want to create a, a community where we have each other, you know, and not just like crowdfunding, but like a community, you know, like the more digital we get, the more human interaction we need, I believe we're and we can go on to the whole Kafka thing, you know, and anyway, I almost see now I'm getting way ahead of my, my liberal arts degrees coming out. But uh, before I, um, I want to, the, the T19 endorsement, I want to say that is uh, Texas specific. So maybe call something different in, in other states, or do you know? Uh, I don't know. I'm, uh, we lend in uh, God's uh, country of Texas. Uh, yeah, and why Texas. lend anywhere else? Like you said, why lend anywhere else? You got, you got plenty of, you know, the pond is big enough here to fish from. And our laws are just great. Like from, from the private lender side, they really, really, yes. they protect us. You know, could you imagine doing a loan and then having to wait 12 months? That's why I won't lend in New York. There's no way. I don't care if it's 10% LTV. I don't care. I don't want to wait two years. You know? it, it's, and it's the opportunity cost, right? Because during yeah, that 12 exactly. months of waiting, it's, even though it's a 10% deal, it's how, how many times could you turn that money and to wait for what? It's just not worth it. I don't. I, look, we just got to go. We just got to keep going, just keep going, and just yeah. keep going and going, right? Yeah. So, man, this uh, deal horning, 99% common sense. I'm just running the flood insurance and skin in the game. Hell yeah. You're preaching, you're, you know, I don't sing, but I'm the choir, and uh, <laughs> that's for sure. The CIA, credit, income, and assets. And um, I like that you do look at credit, and so do I. And that goes back to, uh, all the way back to uh, Chris Funk, actually. It was the first, it literally handed me a package of printouts, you know, said, here you go. I pulled my credit score. This tenant sued me, you know, so I've got a judgment here. And, you know, he goes, I'm a landlord. Show me a landlord that doesn't have a judgment. You know, if you do it long enough, you're going to get, you know, someone's going to game the system. And my first landlording uh, venture, they did game the system and they got four months of free rent out of me. So uh, <laughs> anyway, but Chris gave me everything. It was like credit, you know, he's like, you know, here's a, uh, it wasn't a DPS, but, um, it was, it was a background check. And he's like, look, don't take my word for it. And that's where I came up with the whole, you know, so then I went and I took what he gave me. I did my own due diligence. And yeah, so credit, I think credit is, is huge because, you know, as lenders, we want to loan to somebody who will cut their own throat to make us whole. Yeah. Because they know that yeah. if I know if, 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 if I cut my throat and I take a huge loss, but I make good on your loan, you'll loan to me again. Anytime, any day. Because you know, you, you know, however, if, yeah, if you have nothing, no skin in the game, if I had no skin in the game, I'm like, ah, well, you know, I just lost this. Oh, well, it doesn't cost me anything, just my time. I learned a lot. Yeah, no, that's, that's when um, my kids, you know, knuckles and kneecaps, I, uh, I send my children out. I don't, I don't foreclose, I collect, I collect. And, uh, <laughs> that's so good. But uh, yeah. all right, so yeah, if, if you're interested in you know, learning more with, uh, on, the, on the private lending side and you know, maybe buying some loans from, from Paul, please go to uh, privatelenderpodcast.com forward slash Inc, I-N-K. And if you're in the market for a conventional uh, or a refi, because rates are dropping like flies right now, go to Blink, B-L-I-N-K, lending.com. So 
before we get up, we're going to wrap it up here, but I need, uh, before I forget, I'll edit this out, but I do want to talk to you about a conventional loan. So anyhow, <laughs> Paul, thanks for coming on. Uh, you, uh, wait a minute. Um, so blinklending.com for, for if they want to be a borrower, if they want to be a lender, privatelenderpodcast.com slash Inc. I-N-K. Are you on social? Uh, where, where else, where else can we find you? Got uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, and uh, email, you know, Paul at blinklending.com. Uh, my cell phone, 281. 281- Two two one seven three eight three. Call, text me. Um, a uh, known as Nacho with is the one borrower uh, that we have foreclosed on. So not only Keith, when you get foreclosed on, you have a lender that's not going to lend to you again, but you've just got them telling every lender out there what a horrible borrower uh, you are. So yeah, stay away from that guy. It would tell Nacho I said, hey, next time you play golf with him. (laughs) (laughs) Too funny, man. Too funny. All right. Well, Paul, thank you so much. And yeah, well, I look forward to speaking with you. Stay safe. Yeah. Uh, And one of these days we'll see each other at uh, another networking event and um, maybe we'll have some Uzo. Who knows? I look forward to that, brother. I love, love, love Uzo. All right, man. All right, you take care. Yes, sir. Laters. And there you have it, folks. How about that? Catch me outside. <laughs> Look, I hope you took notes and implement those value bombs that Paul just dropped on us. Things like the minimum draw amounts, mandatory skin in the game. All these things are mechanisms, vehicles, processes that will help you stay safe. You know, Like he said, 99% is common sense and 1% is real estate. So, yep, loved it. That's going to do it for this episode 110. I'd like to thank Paul for coming on and sharing his, his story and his knowledge. And if you want more information about Paul, please go over to the show notes page. And if you'd like to connect with him and learn more about his lending models, then please go over to privatelenderpodcast.com forward slash Inc. I-N-K. And Paul will be happy to speak with you and discuss his lending models. Like I don't charge for the show, but I'd be extremely grateful if you'd help get the word out and increase awareness by leaving me an honest rating and review over at iTunes, Google Podcast, or whatever platform you're using to hear my voice. That is a fast and a simple task and a small price to pay for the value you heard today. And look, that's the truth. In addition, help other people find out about the show, especially if you're trying to develop your own private lenders for your deals. This is a free resource for them. Please help share or please share and help build the private lender nation for all your real estate deal needs. I'm going to sign off now, but before I say goodbye, please wash your hands. Forgive that asshole in front of you. And remember, this too shall pass. Lord, I hope so. I wish you safe and successful private lending, and I'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Private Lender Podcast with your host, Keith Baker. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit privatelenderpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time. Pay him. Pay that man his money.